0: Everyone. This is Nikki Gamer for Catholic Relief Services, and welcome back to Behind the Story, a podcast series that invites you to celebrate the people behind 75 years of our history, the people we serve, our partners, our staff, and especially the supporters who make our work possible. So last month, we took you on the excellent adventures of Monsignor Wilson Kaiser on a VW bus, no less setting up our first programs across sub-Saharan Africa in the 1950s, we talked to Ambassador Ken Hackett, former CEO of CRS, about Monsignor Kaiser's lasting legacy. This month, we'll explore the 1950s from the other side of the world. We'll learn about the important partnerships that helped millions of people in Asia recover from World War II, and about the famous noodle priest of Hong Kong, Monsignor John Roman Yellow, whose efforts to save 300,000 children from starvation put him on classic 1960s TV. To tell us more, we'll be talking to Frank Carlin, who had a 40-year career with CRS, both in Asia and Africa, starting in the 1960s. Frank, welcome, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. So you've written about our early work in Asia in the 1950s, and you credit Four Priests, who you call the Four Horsemen of Maryknoll, for setting up CRS programs in Asia. Can you tell us about the conditions in Asia just after World War II?
1: In pre-war Asia, Japan had occupied major countries at the turn of the century, Korea and Taiwan, the Russian Far East, as well as uh, sections of China. In so doing, they created a lot of upheaval fear and trauma. With the outbreak of the war in the 40s, they started to go to war with countries throughout Asia. They took a lot of lives. They dislocated a lot of people.
0: So with all of this upheaval, tell us what it was like for refugees.
1: First of all, refugees are always running. They're in panic. They're never sure where they're going and they're chasing hope that's rarely fulfilled. They carry their most valued possessions and often are forced to abandon them along the roads. And everybody hears, oh, if you go over here to this village, they're handing out food. Or you go over to that town, and you can uh, you can get plenty of water. And then you get there, and there's nothing. And then you start again, exhausted and uh, and impoverished.
0: So tell us a little bit about the work of the Maryknoll priests and sisters. You know, in the immediate aftermath of the upheaval.
1: In the circumstances of CRS. We had a great blessing, and that's where the story of the Four Horsemen comes in. In many countries, there were missionaries there, and they began to respond to the needs of the population as best they could. Resources were a problem, and the infrastructure virtually non existent. The role CRS undertook was to provide the assistance to the missionaries, who in turn would provide it to the people. And This marks the very big difference in Catholic Relief Services. We try to work through others to empower local, indigenous organizations, oftentimes in the church, to carry out that work so that we can do what we do best, and that is source the support and provide it with the technical assistance to really make it work effectively.
0: All right. So did you coin the phrase, the four horsemen? Was that you?
1: Well, the four horsemen actually is is a reference to the 20s. Notre Dame had a backfield that they called the Four Horsemen, and the Four Horsemen ruled the playing field and they became famous. And then out in Asia, I found my own Four Horsemen. Monsignor John Romaniello, Monsignor George M. Carroll, uh, the Duke Father Paul Duchesne, and Father Frank O'Neill. Each one of them came from a different location where they directed CRS operations. Uh, they helped to form my vocation in Catholic Relief Services.
0: So what can you tell us about Monsignor Roman Yellow? As I understand it, he was called the noodle priest of Hong Kong.
1: Monsignor Romaniello was one of the old Asia hands who came out of China. Uh, all of these refugees that I had described earlier And he found that uh, among their greatest needs were the need for food, which he was providing in the form of flour, milk, cooking oil, and things like that in a monthly ration from the American government. But what he quickly found out was that the people didn't really have a recipe for milk and flour and oil. They weren't big bread eaters. So Monsignor thought, well, hey, I can make the noodles, but he didn't know much about noodles. He was looking at two things. Number one, he wanted to have a noodle that had a very good nutritional impact. And he also started to design a noodle machine that could produce maybe 50 tons of noodles in a month, which is a lot. He could position the machine in the communities where the noodles would be consumed, and he could cut out the need for transportation. It was a very efficient operation. He transformed the nature of the assistance that was going into Hong Kong. And he was feeding, at the height of that program, 400,000 Chinese in Hong Kong. And he was providing a million pounds of noodles each month. And as he put it together, he needed other funds. And uh, he was a character. He was a colorful, colorful guy. Uh, And he he was born in Italy, and he had a twinkle in his eye. And he would go out, and he would schmooze people, and he would tell them, you got to help me with the noodles. He always had this great capacity to engage others, whether it was donors, for the people in the community to cooperate, to do something bigger than themselves. And in order to draw attention to himself, he started to uh, sing this noodle song that he had. And and, uh, everybody would gather around and they would find him just charming.
0: Well, I think you know what I'm going to ask you next. And that is to sing the noodle song for our listeners.
1: Okay. Well, I apologize for my poor singing ability, but... uh, this one's for you, Romy. Noodles in the morning, noodles in the evening, noodles at supper time. Eat them good old noodles. Eat 'em all the time. And I'm gonna pause there because I don't wanna. I don't wanna overdo it. I don't wanna overpower you with my singing prowess.
0: <laughs> I liked it. I was dancing along.
1: Yeah, and when you add to that. When he came to the United States, he found his way onto uh, TV shows that were running at that time. One of these three men is known as the Noodle Priest. What is your name, please? My
0: name is John Romanello.
1: My name is John Romanello. My name is John Romanello. Only one of these men is the real John Roman Yellow, the noodle priest. The other two are imposters and will try to fool this panel. Merv Griffin, Betty White, Ralph Bellamy, and Kitty Carlisle on To Tell the Truth with your host, Bud Collier. In the late 60s, when I'm getting on the star ferry to go across from Hong Kong to Kowloon, there's a deckhand there, and he says... To me, so where do you work? And I told him, I'm with Catholic Relief Services, Tianzhu Jiao Hu And he says, Ah, uh, uh, Father Noodles. He said, He saved my whole family's life. And he never met him. He never saw him. He wouldn't recognize him if he did. But that's the impact that somebody like Monsignor Romaniello had on people. He was first and foremost a priest.
0: What do you consider the biggest legacy of CRS in Asia in those days?
1: Catholic Relief was very instrumental in organizing, establishing, empowering local organizations. We didn't just provide the assistance and then boogie on out. We provided the assistance in a manner in which we were empowering and developing organizations to do the job. They learned how to do it. So we worked ourselves out of a job in every one of those countries that I spoke of where the horsemen were, Taiwan, Korea. Japan, Hong Kong.
0: Can you talk briefly just about the variety of programs that we offered in Asia at that time?
1: In the early years, late 40s and 50s, it was very much emergency focused. So we were providing the food, we were providing access to water, we were providing basic shelter, health, sanitation. Even a bar of soap was a big thing. We were supporting the clinics that were run by Marinol and the Columbans and the Medical Missionary Sisters.
0: And back in the U.S., I understand that Catholics were very responsive and very compassionate in the support of all the people suffering overseas.
1: We had what was called the Thanksgiving Clothing Collection. For 40 years, every parish in the United States had a collection, and then you'd have the Legion of Mary and the Knights of Columbus and the Holy Name Society. Then they'd truck it to Brooklyn, New York. And when it came in, you'd send it out to these areas that the missionaries were uh, were providing assistance from. And in a place like Korea where you had winter, boy, those overcoats and jackets, they were life-saving.
0: Can you talk to us a little bit about the most vulnerable groups
1: I mean, you had hundreds of thousands of orphans in these countries, not not a thousand, not 10,000, 100,000. Nobody to care for them. The only option was an institutional program. And the people that were running the institutional programs were the Christian organizations. There are hundreds of thousands of people today that are alive and have their own children and grandchildren because their lives were saved by those orphanages. So we provided assistance to leper communities. Hansen's disease is the way we refer to it. We, we provided to uh, the, the handicapped, the disabled, unwed mothers. These were the institutions where you had the most vulnerable, the most at risk, and the church did a lot to provide for them.
0: Can you tell us about some of the other programming? I understand we provided health assistance for mothers and children and microcredit.
1: We operated sophisticated nutritional programs for the severely malnourished. We provided school feeding programs. So we used the food that was now coming in in greater quantities from the American government. We were the ones who got the American government to agree to use food for work. And it's in the lexicon of AID today. But it started with Catholic Relief Services.
0: Wow, that is such a legacy. I did not realize that we played a part in that.
1: The effect was significant because with Food for Work, we were able to build farm-to-market roads. We did land reclamation projects. We did irrigation projects. We did well-digging projects, all with Food for Work. As we started to get into the late 50s, CRS began, through these missionaries, to promote the establishment of the credit union movement. You train people, you position them, you salary them. And then you get them to go out to communities and basically you're starting a community bank. Catholic Relief Services is credited today by the International Cooperative Movement and the International Credit Union Movement as being the founder of the credit union and cooperative movement in many of the countries in Asia. Uh, And that's quite an accomplishment.
0: So in all of this groundbreaking work, how important was partnership?
1: Partnerships. CRS could never have done all that it has done and continues to do without uh, strong partnerships. The people have to trust you. There are many organizations that go out there, but they don't have what we have. We can plug into an indigenous structure or we can plug into a faith-based structure. We respect one another because of that which motivates us. Faith, a biblical mandate, a love of God.
0: Let me ask you this, on the occasion of our 75th anniversary, what is your hope for the future?
1: What I want to hope for is an agency that in the next 25 years, it's as flexible and as adaptable as it has been for the past 75. I hope that we'll continue to have a staff that will be not just committed and dedicated, but faith-filled with a fire in the belly that's apparent, visible, and really work zealously to transform the world that they find themselves in. We've had a formula for success from our inception, working ourselves out of a job, and That will continue to be the way in which we will find success. So that would be my hope.
0: Frank Carlin, thank you so much for joining us.
1: You're more than welcome.
0: Next month, in honor of Mother's Day, we'll be taking a look back at the women who inspire us. It might not surprise you to know that Mother Teresa is one of them. But until then, thanks for listening. And if you want to find out more, check us out online at 75 .crs.org and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast.